Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome back to the Televised Podcast. My name is Anna, and today we're going to be talking all about these final two episodes of the Crisis crossover. Crisis on Infinite Earths, hours four and five. I'm really, really, really excited to talk about them, though, because in all honesty, like, they were, like, the most, um, exciting and and the most interesting and and I feel like they had the coolest content saved for the last couple of episodes you know despite how good I really thought that the um you know the the rest of the crossover has been I've you know I've thoroughly enjoyed it like I've said you know in my in my recaps of the other episodes but I think that the last specifically honestly the last episode really is kind of what is bringing it into contention with uh, Crisis on Earth X for best crossover for me. Um, I think that Crisis on Earth X still remains best crossover, just in my opinion. But uh, this is pretty damn close, especially, you know, like when you think about it as a whole, as an as an entire crossover, as as five episodes, as a whole story to tell. I think it's been pretty good, uh, generally. I feel like at some points I'm, like, remembering things that happened in it, and I'm like, well, why did that even happen? But, like, I mean, everything technically happened for a reason, like, but it all seemed a little convoluted, but I think it came together in the end, uh, very well. Um, I'm not going to mention every single thing that happened in this crossover because I, I physically cannot... I just can't do that. I'm going to mention all of the things that I I loved and that I enjoyed. Um, All of the the things that I um, was so excited about. I just, I would rather like pick some main things to delve into than to uh, try and talk about every single moment that happened because I feel like these last two episodes were filled with a lot. Um, But at the same time, you know, I don't want to dwell on anything, especially because since it was it's two episodes that I'm covering today, um, they're going to be it it would be really, really long if I tried to to talk about every moment. So, I I mean, I hope I don't miss anything that that you are particularly excited about, but I just don't want to dwell on every single tiny little moment. But I'm going to talk about hopefully the big things you can yell at me in the comments or tweet me and yell at me if I missed something like huge that you really wanted me to talk about. Um, and I apologize for that, but I, I definitely do want to, you know, just like hone in on what made these last two episodes really, really great. Um, and that's going to start off with, well, I guess I'd rather kind of go more chronologically, but this wasn't a super like favorite moment for me, but we got a little bit of monitor backstory. So it turns out that he's the one who like created the anti-monitor in the first place. Um, And then it ended up being Harbinger. Oh no, excuse me, not Harbinger. um, Pariah. It ended up being Pariah who released him uh, from his his prison actually did they even talk about who put him in prison like in the first place because like I don't think they ever did was that mentioned earlier anyway if you know how the anti-monitor became imprisoned in the first place leave a comment or tweet me because I can't I I cannot remember because we found out that Monitor created the Anti-Monitor, which makes sense, I guess, because he went back in time and then he accidentally created, like, a, a negative version of himself. So, okay, I, I'll buy that. I'll bite. <laughs> and then we have uh, Pariah, who cracked the code and opened the thing and, and he let out the Anti-Monitor. Like, who, but who put him in there? Maybe I just totally missed it. I don't know. There were some points during the the airing of Crisis last night that I was just like totally freaking out. Like I missed, I feel like I missed a couple things, but that's okay. That's one of the things that I can forgive myself for missing because <laughs> I don't really care about the monitor. I'm sorry, monitor, but I don't care. So, and, uh, but it was really sweet because it actually turned out that like his wife was called the monitor and that's why he calls himself the monitor because his, his wife died. Um, so he calls himself the monitor after what he used to call his wife, which is very sweet. Um, 
Yeah. So, oh, and then we had Ryan Choi. He's he's uh, writing to his family in the vanishing point. Like he's kind of keeping this little diary. And I thought that this moment was like the saddest thing in the whole world because it was like, uh, you know, he's he's talking about all of the paragons and what and what they've been doing in the vanishing point. And it's like, yeah, Sarah, the paragon of destiny, like she she doesn't even believe in a tomorrow anymore. And then it was like Kate, the paragon of courage, just works herself to death every day preparing for a battle that we're not even sure we're ever going to fight and we have Kara the paragon of hope and she's lost hers and then Jean he just meditates all day the paragon of um honor and then we have Barry Allen the paragon of love and he was gone so they're stuck in the vanishing point and Barry has straight up vanished um but he actually comes like bursting in after while Lex and Ryan uh are kind of uh tinkering with uh this technology they're trying to like transport themselves they're trying to time travel or whatever and it kind of doesn't even work because it's like there's literally nowhere else to transport to like the earth is gone like there's nowhere else to go so it's like you know the the universe is gone so there's 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 literally nowhere else to go so there it's not gonna work so barry comes barreling in he is like and he looks totally exhausted he looks shaken up he's got dark 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 circles he looks like he's got the suds so he comes in and sarah and and everybody they're like Barry like oh my god we haven't seen you in months and he's like what no I've been gone for like a few minutes and they're like no like you have been gone for like two or three months at this point and and Barry's like well I was trying to enter the speed force and I just could not get in he he believes that that the reason that he couldn't enter the speed force is because there's no more like earth anymore so that the speed force is also gone or something and I'm I don't watch The Flash, so I don't totally understand the speed force. So, yeah. Anyway, after we get the return of Barry, we get the return of Oliver. And he shows up as the Spectre. He took months to show up to help the Paragons because the other Spectre, the old Spectre, was making him binge Arrow Seasons 1 through 8. <laughs> so so he comes to the the vanishing point and he's like hey guys i'm oliver but i'm also not oliver like i'm kind of oliver but i'm like not really oliver and he's got the weird like thing on his voice that they put on and it, it kind of makes him hard to understand for a hot minute i'm like i feel like they're gonna regret this decision um so he claims that the speed force is actually the key to saving everyone um, but he's, he's basically says, he's like, you know what? I am all knowing. I know everything. I can see the whole entire universe, the whole anti-universe. I could see everything. So what we need to do is split up gang. He becomes Freddy from Scooby-Doo and he says, we need to split up gang. He says, Freddy, or he says, uh, Shaggy Scooby, you go to stop Mar Nouveau, aka the monitor from making that original trek to like to to the birth of all time or whatever to like to prevent him from creating the anti-monitor he's basically telling and and what ends up being the team is Kara Ryan and then Lex um so he's basically telling them to do everything that the legends are not supposed to do like to go back and mess with history and stuff so that's their mission the other mission is to go to the dawn of time and fight the anti-monitor. And so they kind of seem like contradictory, but I guess it's just to like, I don't know. I, I don't, I, yeah, I guess. But so like they, the other team basically has to enter the speed force to try and find the dawn of time, basically. So that's their mission. That is Sarah kate oliver and barry and jean they're all going off in that mission um so then we have uh so barry he runs everybody to where they need to go so he's he drops Kara, ryan and lex off on that planet where the monitor is 
And, uh, but then the anti-monitor actually pushed Barry out of the speed force. And the issue that they have is that if they get pushed out of the speed force, then they're all going to die, basically. So that's what the specter tells Barry. And what happens is in order to like prevent them, like, like to hold them in the speed force he is like tethering them by their memories of oliver uh which doesn't make sense for the for what happens like with kate for me at least like i felt like that didn't make any sense but i guess it kind of did hold on i'll get to that in a minute (laughs) so he's like basically holding on to all of the paragons that are in the that are falling out of the speed force he's like holding them by their closest memories of oliver so barry is in the outfit where he first met oliver queen and so is oliver he's standing there and he's telling barry this and then he disappears so he's like barry you need to like think of memories like think of where these people would be you know and so he goes and you know they go through a lot of different memories but before that Barry is walking around Star Labs he's he's walking around Star Labs and guess who he finds DCEU Ezra Miller Flash I'm gonna be honest with you (laughs) I actually screamed like not like an annoying scream but like I like audibly gasped like my jaw was literally on the floor I was so shocked to see like that okay that is one thing that I never ever 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 in a million years thought that would happen on DC TV in the Arrowverse ever because I mean thinking back I remember watching Arrow season two and they had the Suicide Squad on season two. And I remember later reading an interview that um, Willa, uh, who played Thea Queen, she gave an interview and she said, yeah, basically Warner and DC, they made us, you know, kill the the Suicide Squad uh, storyline. Like, they just made us, like, quit right in the middle of it. They're like, you have to just drop it. And, and it was in anticipation of the movie that was about to come out. And so, you know, things like that. Or there were always these rumors about also Ezra Miller and Grant Gustin being mad at each other or whatever. Like Grant, there was always these rumors floating around that Grant was mad that he didn't get to be the movie Flash or whatever, you know. So so there were all of these things that were kind of compiling and as well as like, you know, they would back in the day, like they couldn't even show Superman's face on Supergirl. Like they couldn't even show any of that. Like you know, remember the old intro, like, where it was just, like, a shad, a silhouette Superman, and he reached out his hand to Kara, like, they couldn't show Superman, they, obviously, they could not show Batman anywhere, like, they couldn't talk about him, can't do the Joker, like, they can't do, like, I think even on Batwoman still, they can't do, uh, the Joker, but, so, and even with Gotham, like, they weren't even allowed to call the Joker on Gotham Joker. Like, they were never even allowed to do that. So, all of these things were kind of, like, compiled to make it seem like DC was kind of strangling its multiverse and, like, you know, obviously restricting its TV programming to, like, make sure that the movies could thrive but the thing is that their tv was way more successful than their movies obviously not in every single case but obviously in the case of like justice league and in the case of suicide squad like their television storytelling was way 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 more uh well-rounded and well thought out and well received than anything that the DCEU did with certain characters. Obviously, we all love Wonder Woman. Obviously, we all love Aquaman. You know, they've done really good things, obviously. But at the same time, it's like, you know, they were like putting all of their eggs in their movie basket and now they realize, hey, our TV is doing really well. Like this, I think that whatever Mark Guggenheim and Greg Berlanti and all of the guys over at DCTV, whatever they pitched to Warner Brothers to say, 
look, we can make this the greatest crossover ever. You just have to let us do what we want to do. Whatever they pitched to them, it worked because for them to allow Ezra Miller and Grant Gustin to be on the screen together, it just gave me chills. Like, I have chills right now talking about it. Like, like just just the idea that the two of them could share the screen together and their the dialogue was perfect. I mean, Ezra Miller, he's like, is this cosplay? Do you want a selfie, bro? Like, that was amazing. And it just shows, like, the differences between their berries and, and everything like that. And and I think that's perfect. Like, you know, I've, I, I've said it before. I don't think I've said it on the, on the podcast before. But I, like, why would you want, like, two different versions of the same character, but they're, like, the same version? You know what I mean? Like, like why would you want two separate characters or... <laughs> Like, why would you want two different actors playing the same character and their characterization is the same? Like, why would you want that? So that's what I love about DC is, like, we we can have Ezra Miller Flash and he can be goofy and silly and he can love Blackpink and he, and he can, you know, he can say, oh, cool cosplay, you want a selfie, bro? Like, he can say all of that. And then we have, you know, Grant Gustin Flash and he can be a bit more dark and a bit more broody and a bit older and a bit wiser. And so I love that. I love the the way that it kind of was on perfect display last night to show the power of, of DC and their multiverse and how much they believe in it. Because that's another thing, is that Marvel, contrary to what DC is doing, Marvel is canning all of their TV shows, putting them all in the can. Anything that doesn't have a direct tie to their Marvel Cinematic Universe, they are putting in the garbage. And the thing is that they could have connected them to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but they never did. Like, that's the thing. They never took that leap. And, and again, like, one thing that really always confused me is, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, that was supposed to be a direct, like, pull from, uh the MCU movies and it was supposed to like and you and yet they couldn't get their actor who was always around like Chris Evans filmed like a million movies for them they couldn't get him to step on to a set for a day you know like that's one so they did they didn't care about connecting all of that and that's where I think like DC last night made itself superior in that way like they're like you know what all of this shit is connected it is. And we're not going to shy away from that. We're not going to, you know, say it's connected or like drop little hints here, there and be like, oh, yeah, it's connected. Like, but then they're not going to fall through with it. Like, no, last night they very clearly followed through with it, which is just so cool. Like, again, I never thought that would happen. I love that they made it happen. I love that, like, Melissa was in the dark. She left this comment on Grant Gustin's post, and it was like, did I, did it, was I the only one that didn't know about this? Like, I love that she was totally in the dark about it. <laughs> and it seemed like it was weird. Like, some people knew, like, uh, John Cryer said that he knew. Katie Lotz, it seemed like she knew. Um, Brandon Routh said that he didn't know. So it's, it was kind of like a weird thing where it was like, who knew, who, who knew and who didn't know? And, and I'm so, so shocked that it didn't leak. Like, and I'm so happy that it didn't leak. Like, that would have sucked. And they really, honestly, that was a huge risk. That was a major risk to have that scene take place after this, like, extended holiday break. Like, that leaves even more time for it to be potentially leaked, you know? Like, that's crazy. And I promise I'll stop ranting about this in just a second. I just have one more thing to add. The aspect ratio changed during these Speed Force scenes. The aspect ratio changed as well as the quality and the the way that the, the show was shot. It was shot like a movie. It looked like a movie. It ha- I, w- I was sitting there while Barry and Oliver were having that conversation about you need to connect, we're connected by memories and you can't let the Paragons fall out of the Speed Force. I was like sitting there and I was like, wow, this is the best that I've ever seen DCTV ever look. Like I've never seen DCTV look better than it looks right here. And the thing is, I believe that's because they're going to use some footage that they shot for this crisis crossover in the Flash movie. 
because the Flash movie is supposedly going to be about Flashpoint. It's going to be about, you know, the, the, a shakeup in the multiverse and everything like that. And, and, and so I believe that they would want a, not the same scene, because I don't think that they would just like reuse the same scene. I don't think that they would do that, but I believe that, because why would you get Grant Gustin and Ezra Miller together and not shoot a bunch of stuff just in case you wanted to use it. Like, so that's that's what I'm thinking is like they're they shot a bunch of stuff and they're like, you know what? We're gonna film it on these film cameras that we have, on these like, you know, cameras for IMAX and stuff like that. We're gonna do we're gonna use those and that's what's gonna happen, you know, like cause they, it was it was the a totally different aspect ratio than before. Actually, it looked like Batwoman, you know, and and the only reason that I could see doing that, especially because for Batwoman's own episode, they didn't even shoot in in Batwoman's aspect ratio because they switched it so, to make it look uniform. The, so the only reason that I could think of that they would blatantly switch and and just use, you know, and use a different aspect ratio, honestly, just for that part, like just for the part where Barry was in the Speed Force and dealing with all of that, I believe that it's for the movie. And I would not be surprised if, you know, in 2022 or 23 or whenever the movie comes out, I would not be surprised if Grant Gustin were to make a guest appearance. I, I think that'd be really, really awesome. So, especially because, like, uh, The Flash, he was like, oh, Victor told me this was possible or whatever. So, I don't know. I feel like that has a connection to the thing that's happening to the movie. To I, I So, I really hope that that's true. I bookmark this <laughs> in, like, th- two or three years when this movie comes out. If, if Grant Gustin's in it, then it was me. And they shot it all these years ago. <laughs> So between this, after after we meet Ezra Miller, we go back to Supergirl, Ryan, and Lex. And surprise, surprise, Lex betrayed them. He, of course, in the Book of Destiny, he, like, upgraded himself. So he's got these new powers. And it's kind of like, uh, he's kind of like Palpatine. Not like electric fingers, but more just... He's kind of like Iron Man. He shoots, like, little lasers out of his palms. <laughs> so he, he gave himself some upgrades because he's Lex Luthor. <sighs> I hate him so much. I loathe Lex Luthor. I loathe him. And so they he attacks Kara and Ryan, and he decides, you know what? I'm going to make a deal with the Monitor, and then we're going to rule everything together. Hell yeah! But no, no. So while all of this is happening, he's trying to make a deal with the monitor. Kara shows up and she busts down the door and she's like, no, Lex, I'm not going to let you, you know, make a deal with the monitor. I'm going to stop you once and for all. I'm going to kick your ass because I didn't get to kick your ass the last time. So they're fighting and it actually leads to this hilarious scene where Ryan Choi, he's he's making this emotional appeal to the monitor, which is the reason that he's the paragon of humanity. It's a very emotional scene. It was really good. Um, but while all of that is happening, <laughs> Lex and Kara are fighting in the background and you see all the lights like flickering and because it's from Kara's heat vision and Lex's like Iron Man hands and uh, it's so funny. It was so funny. Uh, it was so good. So, Supergirl, she is fighting and the anti- uh, well, she is fighting Lex and, and, and she says this thing that's basically, she says, you know, you have ruined my life, you tried to go after Clark, like, you tried to kill me, you tried to kill Superman, and you- can't stop hurting Lena like you left her broken with a tainted name and and you ruined her life and it was so uh, it was such a powerful moment because it felt like she was fighting for Lena you know and that's what I loved about that I love that she was like fighting Lex for Lena because she got to get all of her anger out like that was a moment where Kara could get all of her anger out 
you know, that was a, a, a red tornado kind of moment for me where she's fighting Lex and she's like, you know what? You have ruined everything for me. You messed up everything with Lena. Like, you messed up everything in my life. So you know what? I'm going to take it out on you because I'm mad. And I love that. And then Ryan kind of comes and breaks him up. He's like, guys, I got through to the monitor, like, but we got to go. Like, we got to dip. So while all of that was happening, Barry is able to find John, Sarah, and Kate uh, by racing through Oliver's memories. So Oliver's memory of Sarah is when she was lying on that table with the... In, in her original Black Canary costume, with the arrow, you know, in her chest, with Earth One Laurel there, and Dig, uh, Diggle, and uh, it was a really great scene. And it was so funny because, you know, like, Barry, he's like, <laughs> he's basically trying to, trying to find, like, what to say to these people because he's like you're not real like you're just Oliver's memories but they're making very emotional appeals to him like you know Laurel's like you're not taking my sister and he's like I'm so sorry like we have to go and so he takes Sarah and then he finds Jean with old Barry and and Kara or excuse me Oliver and Kara from the invasion crossover which I wish that they had listen like I don't, I can't stand the wigs, but I wished that they had put Melissa in a wig to just, like, fully get the full invasion experience. Because, obviously, you know, she didn't have bangs in invasion. Like, they could have combed them into her hair. Uh, I just, I wish that they hadn't left the bangs, because it kind of took me out of the, like, memory of the invasion, you know? So, Jean, he was there, so Barry gets him from there. Kate was at this random meeting that Oliver and Ray had. And again, I'm not entirely sure how Kate fit into that, but I think it's because Kate said like, oh, Oliver like reminds me of me. And I think that that was just supposed to be the point is for Kate to see that she's kind of like Oliver in that way, um, kind of stubborn and, and all of that stuff. So that was interesting, I guess. And then... Um, Barry also finds out the truth from Oliver. Uh, there's a moment where he goes back to the crossover from last year. He goes to Elseworlds, and he, he sees Arrow. Uh, he yeah, he sees Oliver shoot an arrow from the monitor, and it's kind of like this magic arrow. So he goes and he's talking to Lois and Clark, and Lois is like, "Barry, did you go shopping for a new suit while the world is in danger? Like, what are you doing?" And and Barry's like, no, you know, whatever. But then Oliver shows up and, and Oliver finally tells him, he's like, yeah, I traded my life for yours, for yours and Kara's. Like, and he says, he says dying is easy, but continuing to fight and to be a hero and going on is the hard part. And that was so sad, you know, and it was so sad to see Oliver so resigned. I mean, it was it was beautiful and sad at the same time because, you know, to see this guy who we've watched be a hero without superpowers for eight years at this point, like, to see him say, you know, my time is up. It's, you know, you have to keep going now and I would risk my life and I would give my life again for you if I had to. Like, I would make the choice again. And I just love that. I love that moment between them. So that brings me to the finale of episode four. I feel like I really didn't talk about all that much, but it's just because I wanted to rant about, um, you know, Ezra Miller, because that was really the big moment of episode four, and I definitely want to dive more into episode five, just because um, I feel like for me, that was where all of the action really laid and I understand why they did these two episodes on the same night because I feel like if if uh this if Arrow's episode had just aired like straight up uh alone you know on its own night I feel like people would have been like that was it like that was the finale to crisis like so uh then they show up at the dawn of time Barry comes and grabs Oliver or excuse me he grabs uh 
Kara, Ryan, and Lex, and he runs everybody to the dawn of time. And surprise, surprise, the anti-monitor is there. And Ryan is like, well, what the hell? Like, I... (laughs) I convinced the monitor to not come. And anti-monitor, he's like, okay, dude, we already went over this. Like, there are infinite universes, so there's always one Mar Nouveau who completes the experience and creates the doorway to the anti-multiverse. And he's basically like, yeah, like, some things are inevitable. And basically, he's Thanos. He's like, I am inevitable, you know? So... He does that. So he's like, all right, we're going to do all the, I'm going to, the spirits, spirits are going to fly everywhere. It's going to be a good time. And so the Paragons, they need to fight the Anti-Monitor and his demons. And um, basically they need to defeat the demons and distract them so that Oliver can take on the anti-monitor one-on-one. So the Paragon, so Oliver basically says, he's like, you know what? I will light the spark and you need to fan the flame. Like he's being very cryptic. Mr. Spectre is being very cryptic and everyone's like, what the hell does that even mean, Oliver? And he's like, when when it's, when it's happening, you'll know, but just promise me that you'll fan the flame. So they're like, okay, we'll fan the flame. Whatever you say, bud. And so they are fighting. And it was really funny because they kept saying these like little, it was like all these little ADR moments where like, you know, Katie Lotz would say like, I don't know, just like these stupid little comments of them during the fight. Like, (laughs) like they would just say stupid stuff. I'm like, this is so funny. This is absolutely hilarious. It was, it, it, their little comments made up for how underwhelming the fight was, because I believe that it was underwhelming, um, but their little, like, jokes and stuff definitely made up for it. So, we find out, or we, we watch as Oliver fights the anti-monitor, and that fight is also kind of anticlimactic, you know, it's, it's them and they're doing whatever. I don't even know. It was, it was very, it was anticlimactic. But what ends up happening is Oliver defeats the anti-monitor and he, there's this light that shoots up straight up from him. And so what happened was he is, he lit the spark. Like he literally, like it was very literal. Like they, I feel like the Paragons were thinking way too hard about that. It was very literal. They were like, yeah, we need you, I need you to, like, fan the flame, so basically what they needed to do was, uh, think about the reason, like, for their paragonness. and I really was hoping that, like, they would, um, at least give, like, quick little flashes as to what each paragon was thinking of when thinking of, like, what they stand for. But here's what I believe that they were thinking of. Like, I believe that Ryan was thinking of his family, obviously, as the paragon of humanity. He was thinking of how much he loves his family and how much he wants to see his family survive and brought back. And so I then I believe... I don't even know what Lex would be thinking about. God, he's disgusting. <laughs> something to do with truth obviously but like I guess maybe thinking about the fact that he's gonna reveal the truth to everyone about like how this is gonna end because obviously we see him do some s- sketchy things later um for Kara I believe that she was thinking about Lena personally and that's just not that's not just me being like all Supercorp Endgame like that is me because Kara, like, especially this season, all of, like, the hope quotes from Kara have been about Lena. So for her, I feel like she would be thinking and hoping beyond hope that once she gets Lena back and, and once she gets her family back, like, I believe that she was thinking about Earth 38, thinking about her family, thinking about Alex, thinking about Nia, Brainy, thinking about Lena, and hoping that once she gets everyone back, she can remedy her situation with Lena. Um, and then I believe Sarah was thinking about probably her role as, like, the leader of the Wave Rider and stuff like that, because she's the paragon of destiny, and, and thinking about her life, especially from the moment that she got onto the, um, boat with Oliver, 
the the Queen's Mary, the moment that she got onto that boat and to the, to now, like that was destiny playing out for Sarah, especially considering how many times that she has died and come back. Um, so, and then I believe that Jean was probably thinking about his father because his father was probably the most honorable man that he could remember. Um, and then I think that's it. That's, oh, no, Barry. I, Barry was definitely thinking about Iris. Like he's, he's the paragon of love. So he was thinking about Iris. He was probably thinking about his daughter. I don't know. Yeah. So that's what I believe that they would all be thinking about. I, I really had wished that, that they had, um, shown that. And so all of that combined is what fanned the flame to birth a new multiverse. So then you see it in the sky and and so the 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 shiny light goes away and and Sarah's like Oliver or excuse me Sarah's like Barry take us up there like take us to the top to on this cliff to where Oliver is. So they run up there and Oliver dies again. And it's, it's really sad because he, he really, he, it was really sad. And, but before he passed, he told the monitor, or he told the anti-monitor, he said, you have failed this universe, which was so satisfying. And then uh, Oliver said, you remember what I said, dying is the easy part. So you keep going. You keep fighting and you keep being the heroes that I know that you can be. So he passes away. And I did shed a tear or two for him. I'm, I was very sad. So, and then we fade to black and that was it. That was episode four. Um, it was definitely a lot. I feel like the whole speed force thing was a waste of time, but not really. Like it was, all of it was to, to pay tribute to this universe that Arrow created. And especially because it was Arrow's episode. And I'd always kind of guessed that Arrow's episode would kind of be like uh, the, their 100th episode in the, in the way that it was very retrospective of how each of these heroes uh, was impacted by Oliver in that way. And so I thought that was really, really cool, um, especially as a nice, again, like I said, like I've been saying before, like a nice love letter to the fans to say, look, we started here with Arrow and look at all these moments that have led to these other shows or that have led to this extended universe that you all get to watch and that we all get to be a part of. So that was that was really cool. I was a huge fan of that. That was awesome. Um, so now we have to move on to part two of the crossover um, or part two of the finale of the crossover, I guess. Part five of the All Together crossover. And this is when, um, things get kind of, um, interesting because Kara wakes up and, and first of all, I loved how, like, Kara-centric, it was like Kara and Sarah-centric for this episode because it, a lot of it took place in National City. It was, like, split between National City and Star City, so I loved that. Again, I, you know, I love seeing all the characters kind of be in places that we don't get to see them normally, um, but anyway, so we wake up, uh, Kara wakes up and, and she, feels like crisis is a dream. Alex pops up and scares her and Kara burns a hole in her apartment. And it was really, really funny. So so she's like, you know what? Everything is wrong, but it's right, but it's wrong. And so she feels like crisis is a dream. Alex doesn't remember it. Nia doesn't remember it. So she goes to this thing that Nia's like, hey, Andrea's gonna kill you if you don't show up to this Nobel Peace Prize awarding. Uh, so get your ass over here. And so Kara shows up, and you know who they're honoring? Lex Luthor. Because of course they are. <laughs> because of course he's, like, the best guy in the whole world, you know? And so he makes this gross speech, and everything is terrible. And so Kara shows up at the DEO, and she's like, Alex, how is this happening? Like, Lex Luthor is a villain. He's, like, a nightmare. He's a genocidal maniac. Like, how is any of this happening? And he's like, and, and, and Alex is like... Kara, what are you talking about? Lex is your number one supporter, along with Lena. And then they pan out to show, the, and, and she says, and your boss. And so they pan out to show the DEO. And on the bottom, a new little thing is right there on the bottom, and it says a Luther Corp subsidiary. So first of all, L Corp is gone. 
which is concerning because literally all of Supercorp's buildup happened at L Corp. So I don't know what that means for Kara and Lena's relationship, but it can't be good. Um, and so that happens. And so then Kara's like, I need to punch something. I really need to punch something ASAP right now. Get me a villain right now. So she flies around and she sees someone who she does not recognize. Apparently, it is Weather Witch from The Flash. Um, since I don't uh, since I don't watch The Flash, I didn't know who that was. So, <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. Um, so Supergirl, she is like, who are you? And so Barry shows up, and she's like, Barry, what are you doing on my Earth? And he's like, uh what are you doing on my earth? Like, that's one of my villains. And, <laughs> and so this guy comes up to them and he's like, Supergirl, the Flash, oh my God, wh- can you sign this picture for me? And it's like a picture of them like standing together, like doing a thumbs up. It's iconic. Like, it's so classic. It's it's amazing. It's 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 amazing. So they're, 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 doing that and they're like uh yeah but they're asking this guy questions and they're like so how long have we been working together and he's like since forever come on like what are you talking about it's so good so that is how we find out that now everyone is on the same earth but they don't put that together right away they're basically just like oh so we're on the same earth together and so then then we see, like, Sarah, um, she's talking to, um, well, first of all, Sarah was in a bar with Ray, and Ray doesn't remember anything. Oh, yeah, and Jean, he's going around restoring, like, the memories of all the important people, which apparently didn't include Alex, but I hope that that gets rectified in the next episode of Supergirl. Um, so he's going around restoring everyone's memories, giving everyone a headache, and so... Sarah is talking to Ray, and so they go, and she goes to the Arrow Cave, and so she finds out, basically, that, like, Oliver is dead, like, for sure, and they mentioned Felicity, they name-dropped Felicity, but we didn't see her, um, and so John is, is extremely upset, Renee is very upset, Dinah, obviously, you know, they're all devastated, like, this is their friend, this is their leader, like, the leader of Team Arrow is, is dead, And they didn't even get to say goodbye. Like, they didn't even, you know, it was very, very traumatizing and upsetting for them. And so Sarah, they all kind of, like, break down together. And then, so they all kind of come together in the Arrow Cave. Renee is like, dude, when did our top secret secure bunker, like, get to be so easy to get into? Like, we need to do a security overhaul. And so literally everyone's in there. And Bebo shows up. Bebo. And literally, I was like, not Bebo, not Bebo, not Bebo, but it was Bebo. It was Bebo. He showed up on the street because he was like attacking National City (laughs) or Star City. I can't remember. So he was attacking. It was Bebo and he was there. And he says, I love you. And he says that he wants to cuddle. And (laughs) it's just amazing. So Bebo showed up. And Sarah makes a call to Ava and, um, and Nate. And so he was like, or so Sarah says, hey, is, uh, do we still have that guy in custody that had like the totem or whatever? Like, and Ava's like, well, like, no, I mean, yeah, like, but you couldn't even do that without all of the totems because Ava was there for when they did that the first time. And, Oh, Nate had a great line. He said, what's the haps, Cap? And I love that. Oh, and then he says, did you get shanghai into another crossover? And Sarah's like, yeah. And he's like, did they kidnap you? Oh, no, Ava says, did they kidnap you? And then Nate says, we tell them we're too busy, they commit a felony. Classic crossover moves. And I loved that. This episode was so goofy, so stupid, so silly that I just want the Legends writers to be responsible for every crossover from now on. Don't let Mark Guggenheim touch them. Only give it to the Legends people. Let Phil Klemmer and the rest of them do the crossovers, because this was amazing. 
So, <laughs> so uh, Sarah's like, hey, everyone stay in DC. I don't want any more of the legends getting wrapped up in all this. Like, you guys just stay there. I don't want you guys to get involved. Because it's already too effed up from where I'm standing. So, uh, Sarah, yeah, she's like, stay put. Ava's like, well, one of us is actually already there. And it's because Mick is doing a book signing because he's a best-selling author. And it's for his romance novels, which is so funny. And he, he writes under the pen name of Rebecca. And this old lady comes up to him and he's like, well, the old lady says, uh... I love your work so much, Rebecca, or what do I call you? And he's like, Rebecca is fine. And he like signs the the book as Rebecca. <gasps> Everything is so funny. Uh, oh my God. It literally is just absolutely hilarious. And so Ray shows up and he's the Adam instead of Superman. So Ray shows up and he's like, oh my God, it's Bebo. We get to fight Bebo. Nate is going to be so jealous. I love my steel Adam tees. Like, my little little crumbs that I get. And so Sarah basically takes up this leadership role um, as, as they fight Bebo. So she's, like, instructing, Kara, you do this. Like, Barry, go over there and get those cords and everything like that. So, and I, I love it. I loved that. It was great. And then... Kate shows up and Kara says, hey, Kate's here too. She's so excited. And I love that. I love that moment because it was just like so sweet and adorable. And and it really showed like, for me, like how much Kara just absolutely adores this revelation. Because, you know, all of these years, she's had to be, well, basically it's just, you know, it's been her and Clark, but he's never around. It's, and I mean, now obviously there's Dreamer and, and Brainy, but, you know, for the longest time, it was just Kara being the sole superhero on Earth 38 that was, you know, out or whatever. So now she gets to have her friends, like, on this Earth. She gets to call Barry on the telephone. Like, she doesn't have to use, like, a portal to get to Barry. And, you know, she can text Kate, and Kate can come over, you know, because they're only a town away. Like, you know, that's that's what makes me so happy about this, is that I feel like the mini crossovers, and I, I really don't think that they'll be all of that often, um, but I think that they'll happen quite a bit. I mean, I would hope just, like, little pop-ins here or there. Like, I don't think they have to be too elaborate. I mean, like, think, like, beginning of The Flash kind of time. You know, Oliver showed up here or there on The Flash. You know, characters from Arrow showed up on The Flash every once in a while. So I feel like that's what's going to happen from now on, is is less humongous events and more smaller contained crossovers, which is going to be really cool. Um, but Kara was just so excited, and I think that this makes her feel less isolated, you know, because she had to feel so isolated and alone, because literally everyone else was on the other Earth, like, literally everyone, so that was really cool to see her so excited. So then we, unfortunately, have the return of the shadows, uh, which I guess were what the anti-monitors little dementors were called um so they show up again and they're like uh what the hell like we thought that we were done with this uh you know like what what the hell happened oh but before that i really do really quick want to talk about that scene between oliver and excuse me barry and sarah I loved that scene it was so good as a fan you know as a fan of sarah lance to see her kind of actually break down how she's feeling and and what she's actually thinking was so awesome because a lot of the times especially in the early days of like legends of tomorrow she really didn't get to do that a lot i mean she did but it was all about how she feels like she's a monster so i loved that we got to hear about how you know obviously her dad is dead laurel's dead and now oliver is dead and she's like you know what that was like my only remaining tether to my old life. Like, he was the only one left that remembered me before I became what I became, before I became the Black Canary, before I became the White Canary, before I became the leader of the, of the Wave Rider, before I started doing all of this. 
He was the only one that remembered me as this irresponsible little girl who just wanted to go away and, and do all these crazy things and, and spite her sister and, and all of this stuff. Like, and, and I loved that moment because it was such a humanizing moment for her because a lot of the time, you know, like I said, Sarah has to be the captain. She's got to be the unemotional one. And, and it makes me think back to, um, Earth X, Crisis on Earth X, when Sarah had to be like, you know what? I can cry about, um, Martin later. I just, I have to cry about Martin later. I have to be the leader that he believed me to be, you know? And, and so now, you know, Sarah's like basically saying, you know, she actually gets to talk about her feelings and, and break down, you know, which, which was really cool. So as they're, as they're finishing up this talk, that's when the Dementors show up and they're like, oh shit, what the actual hell? Like, (laughs) I thought we got rid of this guy, but no, because he is made of matter, antimatter, you know, because he's made of matter, he's still, he, like, he cannot be created nor destroyed, basically. They're like, Newton said so, so this, you know, is how it's got to work. So they come up with this plan to basically just infinitely shrink him, (laughs) which is so funny. So they come up with this plan to infinitely shrink the the monitor and or the anti-monitor. And so, well, wait a minute. Where's the monitor then? That's the real question. That's my major question. Where did the monitor go? Because, I mean, if matter cannot be created nor destroyed, then the monitor should technically still be alive. Anyway, I don't need to worry about that. Um, so they, they basically put Ray, the two atoms, they put them on shrinking duty. So they're like, okay, guys, you guys create this thing to shrink him. Oh, and by the way, Black Lightning is on this Earth as well, which is very cool. So Black Lightning and all of them, they're all out fighting all of the Dementors. Nia's there, Alex is there, they're all doing their thing. And so then there's a Sky team and the monitor, or excuse me, the anti-monitor, he like basically like grows, which didn't make any sense to me, but you know, it's fine. Uh, So he, he grows and then like very like stay puff marshmallow kind of thing. So... (laughs) So, the Sky Team, which is Supergirl, Superman, and Martian Manhunter, they, like, start flying to, like, fight him. And the Anti-Monitor gets uh, Clark in his hand. Like, he squishes him in his hand. And Kara's like, no, Clark. And so, there's this, like, extended moment where Kara, she, like, gears up and then she goes to fly. And so, she's flying and she's pushing herself, like, as hard as she can and you're like, oh my god, she's gonna sacrifice herself right now, right this minute, she's gonna kill herself for Clark, and, you know, I, uh, uh, I feel like, in a way, she kind of deserved to do it, you know, to, like, fulfill her destiny in that way, but obviously, I'd want her to come back, so I don't want that confusion, (laughs) I don't want to have to deal with how the Arrowverse would handle that, so it, it was fine, um, when the Adam shows up and he's like, hey, look, I got the shrinky dinky thing. So he tells Kara, throw it like a girl. And Kara says, always. And so she throws it. It's like a baseball thing. So she throws it, hits the anti-monitor and he shrinks down. And, and, uh, before any of that happened though, Ray shrunk Superman. So then he slipped out of his hand and so then we had teeny tiny Superman, um, and he's like, hey guys, I'm right here, after the monitor was, like, shrunk infinitely. So, that was a lot. It was a lot, so they defeated the, the everything, and it was all fine and dandy and back to normal. And then we see that there is a, a female president on this earth now who makes an announcement and basically says, you know, Oliver Queen is dead, and he saved us all, and blah, 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 all of that stuff is very, it was a really sweet tribute to Oliver. It really was, and, and it was really cool to see all of these characters kind of together, like, Kate was hanging out in Kara's apartment with Alex, and then we actually got to see the original three, like, the, literally the only three remaining members of the original Legends of Tomorrow cast, Sarah, Ray, and Mick, 
all standing there watching uh, the tribute to Oliver, which was so sweet, so cool. Such I thought that that was such a powerful moment to just have the remaining three watching together, you know? the tribute for their friend who they knew like they knew Oliver the rest of them really didn't know Oliver so that was cool and then um all of that happened and then in the end they all come together all of the paragons um as well as Black Lightning so basically it was Batwoman, Superman, Supergirl, Black Lightning, White Canary, Flash, and Jean. Yeah. Um, so it was all of them, and they set up a memorial for Oliver with his suit in a glass case and an infinity, like, flame, an infinity, uh, thing, you know, a thing that, an eternal flame, that's what it's called, in the shape of an arrow. And they have it in the, um, Hall of Justice, quote-unquote, from Invasion, um, which was so cool because I remember at the time, Mark Guggenheim was freaking out because they saw, they actually ended up finding a building to use as, like, the outside of the hangar that looked just like the Hall of Justice, and so I was like, oh my god, this is what's happening, because I knew, I was like, I knew that they were gonna do that, so... They each step up and kind of pay tribute to Oliver. And Black Lightning even says, he's like, I didn't know Oliver, but he seemed like a good dude. And Barry just kind of nods his head. He's like, mm-hmm. Yeah, he was, uh, he was an okay dude. <laughs> um, so all of that happened. It was so, so sweet. I thought that was, again, like I said, like a total love letter to the fans. Such a great tribute to have for them, for us. For, for everyone, you know, for for DC fans, and it was so cool, and then, then Barry gets excited, he's like, hey, <laughs> I got something really, really cool to show you guys, so he rips off a, a tarp off of this table, and he reveals a circular table with eight chairs around it, and each of the chairs has a little, like, enamel engraved, like, a little enamel thing on it with each of their symbols. And they redid the white canary symbol, which is awesome because the other one was kind of ugly. Um, so they have the new white canary symbol. They've got, so they've got a chair for white canary, Flash, Supergirl, Superman, Martian Manhunter, Black Lightning, and, uh, did I say Flash? Oh, for Batwoman, and then for Arrow. They have one for Arrow, and I... I said, literally the moment I saw that, I said, you know what? Mia Queen is going to get to sit in that chair someday. She is. I know that they did it as like a, mem uh, a memorial for Oliver, but the new Green Arrow is going to sit in that chair. And I'm so excited to see it. I'm so excited to see it. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Um, so yeah, I'm just really, really excited about all of that. And then, so they're all sitting there talking and... Then we hear, like, a little chimp noise, and I'm like, oh, God, what the hell now? And so they, they're like, what is that? And he's like, I don't know. Who knows what could be, like, running around in here? And so then they show a Star Labs containment thing, and on it, it says Gleek. So I had no idea what that was, but I took the liberty to go on my fandom app, and I typed in Gleek. DC, not Gleek the fandom, because I know what that is, unfortunately. Um, so I typed in Gleek, and I was like, all right, come on. What is this? So apparently it's this little chimpanzee guy, uh, and he's an alien monkey, and he's the mascot for the Wonder Twins, who are a pair of aliens who um, were a part of the uh, Super Friends, original Super Friends TV show. Um, and so they lived at the Hall of Justice. Um, and someone actually brought up an interesting theory that was like, basically, hey, I wonder if Lena and Lex are being super weird because they're like actually the Wonder Twins in disguise. And like the real Lena and Lex are not are, like, hidden somewhere, you know, which would be really interesting. I thought, I think that'd be a really cool story, um, especially because Supergirl is supposedly the show that will be dealing with the aftermath of Crisis the most, so I feel like, if anything, you know, Gleek and, uh, 
the Wonder Twins would show up on Supergirl more than any other show. But we'll see. We'll see, obviously. That's just a theory that I kind of had floating around in my head because they're shapeshifters. So I'm like, hmm, well, who who could they be? You know, it'd be really interesting to see them uh, be villains instead of heroes because I, I don't know. I think they're heroes, but I think it'd be interesting to see them be, be villains. Um so then we have the wrap-up moment, and we find out that the Earth, uh, the Arrowverse is now called Earth Prime. It's all of the CW shows. It, they're all on Earth Prime. And then we have Stargirl is now on Earth 2. Brandon Routh's Superman is on Earth 96. Titan, uh, Titans gets it, their own Earth. I can't remember what number it is. And Doom Patrol gets their own Earth uh, as well. So we have all of that happening, and so they essentially created a Justice League, um, and we have all of our heroes on the same Earth, and that was so awesome. It was so cool to be able to see all of that come together, and you know, I mean, like I said, again, tribute to the fans, totally just everything fan service which i mean you know i don't think fan service is a bad thing so i i really really enjoyed it so let me know what you thought of the final two parts of the crossover let me know if you thought that they were worth the wait like was it good that we waited so long between the two halves or did you wish that they had shown it all just together um I kind of, I, I don't know, I kind of liked that they made us wait because then it felt final, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm not mad about it. Um, and let me know if, how excited you are for Supergirl to return on Sunday. Um, there is a trailer that's out, but I'm not going to break it down just because this is getting way too long. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited to see what happens on Supergirl when it comes back on Sunday, as well as Batwoman. So I will also, I'll also be back next week for another Supergirl recap. Um, and yeah, so just let me know what you guys thought. Let me obviously break down any of your theories that you have in the comments below. You know, tell me everything. Um, tweet me at TelevisedPod. Let me know you know, just let me know what you thought. Let me know what you thought of Crisis. Let me know what theories you have for Supergirl on Sunday. And yeah, so you can like, subscribe, rate, uh, follow, share, do all the things that you do. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.